Hey, this is DC. Welcome to VU Church Podcast. I hope that through listening, you are emboldened and empowered in your friendship with Jesus. I believe He wants to speak to you today. I'm excited to continue week three of our collection of talks on prayer entitled Talking to Jesus. In today's message, entitled If You Know, You Know, we'll talk through the Lord's Prayer. You'll be reminded that the art of prayer is not secretive, it's personal. As a community, we're continuing 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're gathering this Wednesday for our Pray First worship gathering. You can join us in person or online at vukechurch.com forward slash pray first. There's power in prayer and there's power in community. Stay encouraged by joining a VU crew. Season three crews kick off today. Visit vukechurch.com forward slash crews to find a crew just for you. We want to continue walking alongside you. So subscribe for more. Let's lean into today's message together. We have been in a collection entitled Talking to Jesus. And it's really been speaking to me. Has it been speaking to you? Can I get a show of hands? Or if you're listening today, has it been speaking to you? I hope it has. It's been changing me as we've been looking to God's Word. And today we're gonna be examining the Lord's Prayer. And I just think we should dive right in. In Matthew chapter six, Jesus is speaking to the disciples and He's teaching them how to pray. And this is what He says. Will you say it with me? It'll be up on the screen. This then is how you should pray. Our Father who in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I wanna take the next few minutes to talk to you on this thought. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? God, thank You for today. Thank You for every person under the sound of my voice. I pray that You'd speak to us. We know You hear us today. God, I pray that I would get out of the way. Lord, and that Your love and Your presence would touch every heart. We want You, we're grateful for You. It's in Jesus' name, everybody said. Come on, everybody said. Amen. You know, there's a popular acronym that everybody's using today. I like to use it. If you know, you know. I-Y-K-Y-K. If you know, you know. Um, How do we use this? Well, for me, like, there's a group of women that if you are in this new baby season, you are texting each other, having full-on conversations at three in the morning. If you know, you know. The newest restaurant in town that is the best food, if you know, you know. The newest restaurant in town that has the worst food, if you know, you know. Sorry about that. If you know, you know is really just implying that some people will fully understand and other people won't. Some people are in on what you're talking about. Others have no clue what you're discussing. It's intriguing, 
It's exclusive and it's, it's an experience that not everyone is aware of. But if you know, you know. It's a place not everyone has been, not everyone has discovered. It's a hack that people maybe have never experienced before. But if you know, you know. If we aren't careful, prayer can be viewed as exclusive. Prayer can be thought of as something that you have to learn how to do properly in order to reach the ears of God. That there are good prayers, there are mediocre prayers, there are bad prayers. There are, oh, you really, you really, really, really prayed just now. That actually made it to God. I know it did because it sounded powerful. If we aren't careful, we can think that there is some recipe to a good prayer, that there is some secret code that if you know, you know, that the pastor really knows, that your small group leader really knows, that your parents really know. But hear me, the art of praying is not secretive, it's personal. Prayer is not to impress. Prayer is to communicate. And the art of prayer is not woven up in beauty or in eloquence. The art of prayer is about proper communication. The art of prayer is about saying what's on your heart, not about hiding it, not on building it in a beautiful facade, not in boxing it with all the right wrapping and trappings, but the art of prayer is saying, God, here I am, and I really need you. I'm not gonna hide any part of my life from you. I need you. If you know, you know. Let me tell you, if you know Jesus, you know how to pray. Say it again. If you know Jesus, you know how to pray. Because if you have a desire for relationship with Jesus and you believe in who he says he is, you automatically have entrance into the throne room of heaven. If you seek him, you're gonna find him. And some of us are making this way too complicated. We're intimidated, we're condemned. When God is saying, my arms are open to you. What's on your heart, son? What's on your heart? Our daughter, I made a place for you. If you know Jesus, you know how to pray. If you know Jesus, you know how to pray. And if you have questions about how to pray, you can talk to Jesus about how to talk to Jesus. You, you and I, we get the opportunity to talk to Jesus about how to talk to Jesus. Matthew chapter six shows us this. The disciples are like, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus starts to say what we know as the Lord's prayer. And you may go, oh wow, that must have really blown their mind, man. What he said, that's power. That's a powerful prayer. But it didn't really blow their mind. And it really wasn't something that they had never heard. Was his teaching really a format that they were unfamiliar with? Well, when we study the Jewish religion of that day, when we study the theology of the Jews, we understand that every single day in the temple, three times a day, they would gather to pray. And that when we look at the Lord's Prayer and we parallel it line by line with the central prayers of Jewish liturgy, that it lines up specifically 
specifically. So every line that Jesus is saying, it's not foreign to them. In fact, the essence of the prayer are prayers that they have prayed every day of their life in the temple. But what Jesus has done is he's taken these prayers, the mourner's prayer, the Amidah prayer that is prayed every single day in the temple. And he has condensed them. He has simplified them. He has boiled them down to six petitions of God saying, you have known how to pray your entire life. Don't complicate this. From the beginning of time, God has been hearing your requests and your prayers. And now because of the sacrifice that I'm about to make, I'm gonna tear the veil in two in the Holy of Holies. I'm gonna prepare entrance for you so that you can walk in and talk to me anytime you want. It's as if Jesus is saying, don't complicate this. If you know God, you know how to pray. You know how to do this. Sometimes we feel like we forget. The other day, I was letting a friend in the house. In fact, he's here, Pablo and Michelle. I love so much. They're in our crew and they are just solid pillars in this house and their family. And I got to the gate of our house with Pablo and I was trying to open up the gate. And you guys, you may not know this, but I just had a baby. My brain has gone on vacation. I'm up all night, every night with my child, taking care of her needs. And as I stood in front of that gate, I did not know how to open up the gate to my own house. Man, my self-talk was really negative in that moment. My mom gave birth to seven kids and here I am with only three and I have lost my ever-loving mind, Blanca. I mean, I have lost it. This is my house, this is my gate and I don't know how to get in. Sometimes you can feel like you're locked out of your own prayer life. Sometimes you can feel like, yeah, God, I know you, but I don't feel like I really know you right now. I don't know how to get to that place where we're intimately talking, where you know exactly what's going on in my heart. And maybe it's through exhaustion, but maybe it's through condemnation. Maybe it's through intimidation. Maybe it's because of sin in our life. But friends, because of the name of Jesus, this is not a Morse code that you are trying to decipher. This is not some secret thing that you have to take years to figure out how to pray like the people that you love and respect. No, friends, you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. I'm talking to you today. You don't have to wait till tomorrow or a year from now or when you finish your theology degree or when this season of crew is over. No, today you can open up your mouth, call on the name of Jesus and you have access. If you know, you know. You have access. So what are you waiting for? Because if you know Jesus, you really know how to pray. See, the Lord's prayer is a reminder of genuine conversation with God. It's not a formula. It's not just something to recite mindlessly. No, it's an invitation by Jesus going, you know how to pray. Come and, come and lay every part of your life before the altar of God. Just surrender it all. And as, as we look at it, we're gonna see how Jesus' prayer really encompasses every part of our life. So, so let's get to it. The first words that Jesus says, he says, our Father in heaven. Will you say that with me? Our Father in heaven. See, I love that Jesus starts with this word, our he doesn't say my father, he is your father, 
He's also our Father. It's a personal prayer, but it's still corporate. Because Jesus is reminding us that this relationship with God is not just me and God, but that I'm a part of a family, that you're my brother, that you're my sister, that the blood of Jesus that has covered us is more real than the very blood that is flowing through your veins. And from the moment you surrender your life to Jesus, you are picked up and you are placed inside of a family, a family that God ordained. This church thing, it's not our idea. It wasn't somebody's idea 1,000 years ago. No, 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross and the church of Jesus Christ, the bride, the body and the building was established and the gates of hell try as they might every year and every century, they will not prevail. It's what you and I are a part of. And friends, when we come to this place, we're not coming here to meet God. No, this building doesn't house the presence of God. The presence of God is inside of you. We come to this house to corporately pray. This is a house of prayer. And we know that as we join together and petition God, that we know that our prayers reach Afghanistan today. That God reaches his hand and brings comfort and power and protection. We know that the hands of God extend to hate that the hands of God extend to every child that is being abused, that is not seen, that is being sold into sex trafficking. We believe that God brings distinct, brings peace to our nation and brings peace to our home. If you know, you know. But if you don't know, you're missing out on the purpose of your life. If you don't know, you're missing out on what God gave his only son so that you could have full authority to walk in, to claim, to say, this is my gate. This is my house. There is no code that I don't know. I can open it anytime I want to. I can call the name of Jesus and he responds. Oh, I wish somebody would get excited today that you have a mission and a mandate from heaven. If you know, you know. Our Father who is in heaven, our world is fascinated with heaven, but we're more than fascinated. We know that heaven fastens our heart to the promise of God that is in front of us. That in the hardest seasons of our life, when we go through loss, when we go through heartbreak, when we are mourning those that have gone before us, that we know that this is not some terrible ending, but this is just, the beginning, our Father in heaven. That's where he is. It's a real place. You and I will stand and be in the presence of God one day, just as surely as we stand before each other in this moment. So Jesus reminds us where he is. Our Father, he's in heaven. And that's why we are able to pray with confidence. Hallowed be your name. Will you say it with me? Hallowed be your name. Now, this isn't buttering him up to get to the good part where you get to say what you really want. This is standing in awe of who God is. It was my dad's birthday this week. He turned 69 and there's seven kids in my family and they're in Louisiana, I'm in Miami. My brother was in Nashville and we're all kind of spread out. So we said, you know what? 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're having a family birthday party. And we all got on FaceTime and mom and dad were there and all seven kids and spouses, we all took the time to honor my dad, to thank him for everything that he's done in our life. And there were tears and there were stories. And we took the time to reflect 
and to really pour out our lives to him about what he's invested in us. And you know, when I think about losing my dad, I lose it because he is everything to me. And sometimes we're afraid of going there. You know what I mean? Letting our heart really go to how much we appreciate someone. Letting our heart really dig deep to to fully express the magnitude of what someone has invested in our life. And you say, Don Shree, that's nice and all that you have a dad like that, but I don't have a dad like that. Listen, my dad's not the point because the father that we serve in heaven, no earthly father comes close to his love. You have a father that you don't have to wait for Easter and Christmas to get really excited about what he's done. Let me tell you, I'm gonna lose my dignity in worship because it gets me excited that he knows everything about me and he still loves me. He knows every mistake that he meets me in the middle of my mess. So somebody needs to get excited today because the God we serve, he's that good if you know you know. Guys, we can't sit in here with stone faces singing about a God that created the universe and knows your name. We can't sit in here acting like it's just another Sunday when we're singing about a God that counts the hairs on your head, that is able to restore, that is able to redeem, that counsels us and comforts us and leads us and never takes his eye off of us and sings over us as we sleep and prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies and allows our cup to run over, who leads us through the valley of the shadow of death and even as death stares us straight in the face. We don't have to fear. I don't know about you, but I can sing about that God all day long. Nobody compares to the God that I serve. Hallowed be your name. He goes on to say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm a part of a kingdom. It's not of this world. I'm a citizen of heaven. And as I'm a subject of this kingdom, I decide to subject my will to the will of God. I'm just passing through this world. It'll be over. And I'll stand before him and I'll be a part of the place that I was destined to belong to. I'm a pilgrim, I'm an alien. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm not of this world. Therefore, my will and my life is subject to the kingdom that I am a part of. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says, this is the confidence we have. If you need some confidence, here it is. We're passing it out today. Here's the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. How do we know the will of God? Friday night, I had just gotten the kids to bed. It's a couple hours of getting that thing settled. And I had the kids in bed, the two kids. I had my daughter next to me on the couch. She was sleeping. I had my laptop in my lap and I was working on my message. And I started hearing this door open, little feet, and then close. I decided to leave it 
open, little feet and close. After the fourth time, put my laptop aside, walk down the hallway, opened up the door to my boys' room. They share a room. And as I walked in, the lights were out and both boys were in their beds. I walked over to Wyatt's bed, sat on the end of it. His eyes were wide open. I kind of scratched his back and just sat there for a minute. I said, you okay, buddy? You can't sleep? He said, no. So I heard a door open a moment ago. And since you're the only person in the house beside me that actually knows how to open a door, (laughs) is everything okay? He looked at me and so sincerely with conviction, Jesus told me to get up and walk out the door. I didn't want to, Mom. Jesus told me. What are you going to say to that? Am I really going to tell him, no, Jesus did not tell you to say that? We'll have that conversation another day. But maybe you're as confused as Wyatt on the will of God. Maybe today you're going, is Jesus really telling me this? Or is it the pizza that I ate last night? Is the song that I just listened to that really moved my emotions? Is it the conversation that I had over coffee? God, I don't know what your will is. We all find ourselves in places like that. And I love what James encourages us to do. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Isn't that beautiful? He gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, here it is, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. A lot of times, At least in my life, I've heard that scripture taught that whatever I'm believing for, that I shouldn't be unstable in that. But that's not what the scripture is saying, is it? It's saying if you ask God for wisdom, he will always give it. Don't doubt that you serve a heavenly father that doesn't wanna pour his wisdom out on you in every season and every situation. Let me tell you something. God is not trying to trick you. Sometimes we can allow the enemy to play tricks with our minds and make us feel like somehow this is some tricky test. No, read the scriptures. If you need wisdom, ask for it. And guess what? He'll give it to you. So if you need wisdom as you seek the will of God, which all of us do, all we have to do is ask. How do we find the will of God? Well, through the Bible, through the scriptures. Some of us, we don't read our Bibles. So we don't know that the questions that we're asking are actually answered in the Bible. Like, should you be doing things with your boyfriend, girlfriend? Should you be sleeping around? Uh, it's, It's already in the Bible, friends. It's a sin you commit against yourself. It's tearing down your own confidence. It's tearing down what God has created you to be. It's not about rules. It's about the beauty and the power and the strength that he's created you to walk in. That's in the Bible. Uh, Should you gossip about people? It's in the Bible. Should you tear others down? Should you love people that you don't know, that aren't in your inner circle, that aren't your family, that that you actually don't agree with? Should you love them as you love yourself? It's in the Bible. So you can find God's will in the word, but you can also find God's will through 
through church, through a pastoral oversight, through being in community that studies the word and seeks to unpack how it applies to your life. You can find the will of God through confirmation. You can find the will of God through prayer. But there are some times in our life where our will just doesn't line up with God's will. And I don't, I don't know why that's such a mind-blowing revelation to us. You guys, this is the creator of the universe. How do we think that our knowledge, our finite knowledge, the small piece of life that we see would line up with the all-knowing, all-powerful, loving, faithful, never-failing vision of the God that we serve? It's just natural that sometimes our will, we're gonna think we really need this and God's gonna go, you really don't want this. So don't be surprised when our will doesn't line up with the Father's. Even Jesus experienced this. Rich talked about it Wednesday night at Heart and Soul. But Jesus, before he's crucified, he comes to the Father and he begs Father God, don't do this. Let's read what he says, Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. In other words, what you're serving, I don't want. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And this was not just a one-time request. You may think that Jesus just, yeah, he just mentioned it, but then he just went on along. No, the scripture tells us that he prayed it three times in the same night. He is begging God, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be humiliated. I don't want to be beaten. I don't want to be abused. I don't want to be mocked. God, I don't want to be murdered. And he begs God over and over again, God, this is not what I want. This is not my will. But then he ends it with, but if it is your will. In other words, I'm a citizen of heaven and I submit my earthly, fleshly will to the will of the Father. There may be pain today, but I know that there will be a promise on the other side. So I look to the joy set before me is what the scripture says Jesus did. Because he knew he could trust the Father. If you know, you know. I think our faith is really seen when we're in those moments where our will doesn't line up with the Father, but we still choose to believe. Can you pray that prayer sincerely? Your will, Jesus, your will. See, your, your emotions are just a glimpse of what you value and what your life is centered around. And I actually don't think that the only two choices are your will or God's will. I think there are a lot of other people's will that a lot of us are living for. The will of our family, the will of our boss, the will of our circle of friends that somehow has been the determining factor in what we value, how we talk, how we spend our time. Friends, there's only one thing that can be at the center of your life and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. If I'm a follower of Jesus and I pick up my cross and I follow Jesus and I die to myself every single day through the power of his spirit, I'm able to pray, not my will, but your will. Oh, come on, if that's your desire today, let's give God praise in this house. I want to have a faith that remains. I want to have a faith that remains. Don't forfeit your plan. Don't forfeit his plan for your plan. 
If only we could see through the eyes of heaven, the banister of heaven as all those that have gone before us are looking over going, no, you can trust him. Release that thing in your hand. Go the way that he's leading you. Move when he says to move. Don't walk when he says not to walk. Trust him, let him shape you. Let him take off all the things that don't please him. Let him develop the fruits of of the spirit in your life. Patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. You can trust his will over your own will. So Jesus teaches us to pray his will, not our will, but keep it on going. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Come on, say daily bread. I'm not gonna stay long on this one because here's the truth. When I was going through college, Rich and I, we studied in Cambridge together and we were just broke college students riding bikes to class every single day. And we ate the same thing pretty much every day of our lives. We would drive to the same bakery and we would get the same sandwich. We ate a lot of bread in college. But it kept us strong and it kept us nourished. And we may not have been able to have the most fancy meals, but it was exactly what we needed daily. You know what an ineffective Christian looks like? A malnourished one. Give us this day our daily bread. Some of you, you only wait for steak. I'll wait for conference. I'm gonna have an encounter with God then. I'll wait till I go to that worship night. I'll wait till they sing my favorite song. Then I'm really gonna go into prayer. I'm gonna have an experience and an encounter with God. And you're waiting for steak, but you are malnourished. You are weak. You're only eating one day a week when God is saying, I wanna give you exactly what you need every single day. Three square meals on your plate, filling your belly and your heart with the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Oh, come on. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Our daily bread, Jesus is talking to him meeting your daily spiritual and physical needs. And that's all I'm gonna say about that. We're keeping on going. Next, our daily bread. You better get it tomorrow, not just today. But Jesus goes on and he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's crew week this week. I'm super fired up. Crews are central to the heart of our church. Are you in a crew? When are you planning on joining one? Stop putting it off. I mean it seriously, we're not promised tomorrow. You need this today. You need community. Church is more than just Sunday. Sundays is such a beautiful catalyst to mobilize the church forward. Don't you miss Sundays. Serve on Sundays. Be a part. It's part of God's plan for your life. But also you need to be discussing what we talk about here in a personal context of your life and your home. And I love Cruz because, well, we always take time at the end to pray for the needs in the room and to give God thanks for what he's done. We call it gratitudes. But if you think that your prayer life is encompassed in simply telling God what you need and thanking him each day, you've missed a very important facet of walking with God daily. It says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us. It's talking about confession. You know, 
I know that daily I make mistakes. And when it comes to a real personal relationship, like in my marriage, I don't just go to bed next to Rich every night and I'm like, hey, babe, and sorry for anything that I did. Okay, good night. <laughs> like how insincere is that? Cool. That sounded kind and thoughtful and really you're invested in this. No, it would come off very sincere. It wouldn't build anything. Instead, when I know that I've done something in my marriage, I have to be specific about it. Why? Because that's what sincere people do in a real relationship. Babe, I'm sorry that I snapped like that. Sorry for the way that my tone was. And I'm sorry for the way I reacted. I assumed a lot. I'm sorry for the way, how quickly that got heated up. I'm, I'm really sorry about that. I don't, want to, I don't want us to have conversations like that. I want to be different. Honest apologies. When was the last time you genuinely apologized to God for something that grieved him? When was the last time you were specific? A, a life where we put our, our whole life before God is a life where we're honest, where we fall short. Not so that we can wallow, but so that we can be changed by the power of his spirit. He can't change that which you hide from him. So I come before God and say, God, I'm sorry. I got, I got ahead of you this time. Kind of blazing my own trail. Wasn't really following your lead. I wanna follow you. I wanna go at the pace that you've set. God, my lust got the best of me this time. I don't wanna live this way. I don't wanna think this way. I don't wanna be led by my feelings. God, I want you to change me and to give me self-control so that I can walk into what is best for my life. God, I'm sorry for the way that I insinuated something. I walked away from that conversation feeling pretty gross because I, I didn't have to say it like that. I didn't have to manipulate it. I didn't have to gossip. God, I wanna trust you more. God, I really flew off the handle there with the person that I lead, I was impatient. Will you teach me how to be patient with my kids? I need to change, it's me. I need to change. And in that moment, friends, it's not condemnation. Condemnation is what the enemy does and he sells you the lie that you can never change. Confession is coming before the one that can make the change. It's saying, God, I need you to change me from the inside out. I know as I surrender it to you that you're the only one. You're the only one who can bring the transformation that I really need. If you know, you know. If we want God's forgiveness, then we also have to forgive others. Because Jesus says, forgive us as we forgive others. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What is he saying? Well, I can't get past this. You see, because in those prayers that they knew so well in Jewish sensual liturgy, this part was revelatory to them because they had always been taught that God was the only one that could forgive, but Jesus was saying something mind-blowing. He's saying, oh yeah, I'll forgive you, but I've called you to reflect my nature by forgiving those around you. In fact, it's so important to me that I will make my forgiveness reciprocal on your forgiveness of others, meaning that I can't forgive you until you forgive those around you. And I can't get past this. As we, as we, two very important words, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, meaning that the way 
that I forgive others is the way that God will forgive me. That there's a big shovel of forgiveness, a medium shovel, a small one. And if I pick up the small one and forgive those around me with the small one, well, God, you pick up the same one. I don't want God to pick up the small one. I wanna forgive everybody in my life. Let my soul be so clean and washed by forgiveness that everything that I need forgiven in my life, God will forgive me as we. If you know, you know. Others should be a big part of your prayers. Not just asking God to forgive you, but asking God to allow you to forgive others. It's reciprocal. As we, how much are you forgiving others? How much? How much are you shaking off the dust that gathers in your heart from what other people do, just like the dust that gathers on your feet? Well, Don Shree, I forgave them. I forgave them, but you're still talking about them and you still get super heated. It's a button. Don Cherie, I, I forgave them, but it still keeps you up at night. And you rewind and you replay and you rehash how you would have said it, what you would have said. Don Cherie, I forgave them, but secretly you don't wish the best for their future. Forgiveness, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. Some of you think that, Don Shree, this is a little extreme. They, they deserve my unforgiveness. They deserve for me to feel that way about them. Friends, I can't get past the as we forgive. It's a deal breaker in the kingdom of God. It's not something we can take lightly. Say, what do you mean? Well, look at Matthew chapter seven, verse one. Do not judge or you will be judged. For with the same judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And the verse after the Lord's prayer, Jesus just wants to expound. And he goes on to say, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly father will not forgive your sins. Friends, if we really believe the words of Jesus, this could change some marriages overnight. This would resolve some arguments in your home really quickly. This would allow you to forgive your boss, your friends, your mother, your father so quickly if you really believed that I'm making a barrier with my unforgiveness for God to forgive me. If you know, you know. I've got to forgive. I've got to let it Go, forgiveness is what sets us free. But lastly today, Jesus makes this statement as he closes the prayer that he knows they already know. Just pray, just talk to me. He says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Poor Wyatt, I'm just putting him on blast today, but my son likes ice cream the way that I do. And guys, I've collected ice cream I'm a collector of ice cream. I'm a connoisseur of ice cream. And my freezer is the low drawer, not the high drawer. So Wyatt knows how to open it. And I noticed that he started like sticking his fingers in the ice cream. Like my pints are missing their tops now. And he learned how to open it first and he laughed and he stick his finger and I'm like, Wyatt, don't do that. That's actually, that's mine. Wyatt, don't do that. We'll have some after dinner. You'll get a little bit. Mom will get a lot. And then we go. The other day, he got really quiet in the house 
And I was like, I can trust him. Like he's really responsible, awesome. So I wasn't worried, but I kind of was worried. So I got up from my couch and I walked and I was trying to find him, Wyatt, Wyatt. And I went into his sister's room and I kind of heard a rustle and I opened up the bathroom door and he's sitting on the floor of the bathroom with a pint of ice cream and a huge spoon. And he is just gorging himself with ice cream. Temptation got to him, what can I say? He actually had my measuring spoons as a spoon. It's like, you can't get enough spoons. Like I'll use all of them to eat this whole pint. It's funny with temptation, right? Because it never starts with just like grab the whole pint. It always starts with like, let me open the drawer. Let me, let me stick my finger. Like, let me, let me just get close. I'm not doing it. I'm, and we, we think of temptation as just these like, huge sins. Friends, there's a temptation every day for you just to look like the world, for you, for you to be average, for you to think like they think, for you to not pray risky prayers, for you to lower the standard of what God has called you to, for your conversations to just be everyday, average, boring, talking about the same old, same old, when you actually are carrying the very presence of God Himself within you. And where you walk, change occurs. The rooms that you enter, the atmosphere changes, friends. The temptation is to be like everybody else, but you are in the world, not of the world. If you know, you know. Oh, come on, can we put our hands together? I'm not messing with it. I'm not messing with it. I won't. We're different. He says, lead us not into temptation. What he's saying is, Again, I place my will before you, Lord. And if the things that I want are actually gonna lead me to a place where I fall, if the things that I want are actually gonna lead me down a road where I am less like you than more like you, then God, I don't want it. I don't want what I'm asking you for. Don't lead me there. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Friends, I am not afraid of the temptation. I'm afraid of living far away from Jesus. Don't be afraid of the temptation. I'm just so afraid I'm gonna fall. No, be afraid of not inviting Jesus into your life. That's what the fear of the Lord is, is what would my life be like if not for the grace and the love and the constant presence of God? And so as you seek Him and as you have your daily bread, temptations that would sneak in the door of your life suddenly are so starkly contrasted to the goodness and the grace of God that you're able to spot those traps when you see them because you've been in His presence and you can spot a counterfeit when you see it. If you know, you know. If I know Jesus, I know how to pray. Deliver us, deliver us. I wanna close with this because we all have questions about prayer. And if you feel like you're the only person with questions about prayer, you're wrong because we all do. We're all growing in our personal relationship with Jesus. We have questions on how to get home to eternity with God. We have questions on how to have access to the Father. We have questions about who we are in Christ. And so did the disciples, that's what I love is how real Jesus's relationship was with them. He didn't hide any part of his life from them. And in John chapter 14, verse one, before he ascends to heaven, Jesus is speaking to them. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't you wish that this was the message that all Christians were speaking to one another today? Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
that where there's so much distinction, there's so much brokenness, there's so much finger pointing in the world today that couldn't the church be the ones that look at the world around and say, do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus says it and then he goes on to say, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And I love Thomas because he always says what you and I are thinking. Like he's just so honest with God. And he looks at Jesus, he's like, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Like we don't. So how can we know the way? Jesus looks back and answers, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. I'm gonna say that again. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. In other words, if you know, you know. If you know me, you know the Father. It's that simple. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Stop letting the enemy intimidate you. Stop letting the world silence your prayers. Stop letting everybody else's opinion tell you how you should talk to God. If you know Jesus, you know how to talk to Him. If you know Jesus, you know the Father. And it's not my words, it's His. You can stand all over this room because I wanna remind you If you wanna know the way to pray, if you wanna know the way home, if you wanna know how to have access to the Father, well, if you know Jesus, you know. Because the path home, it's not a path, it's a person. The more you know Jesus, the more you'll just progress on the beautiful purpose He ordained for your life. You and I, we're headed to heaven our Father who are in heaven. He's in heaven. But we're not in heaven today. C.S. Lewis said when it comes to prayer, begin where you are. So where are you today? If you're angry, start your prayer angry. He'll meet you there. If you're depressed, start your prayer depressed. You don't have to say some flowery words that you don't mean just so you can get to the honest part. No friends. He knows what you're going through. Start where you are. If you're joyful, open up your mouth. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. If you're feeling anxiety, start in your anxiety. He'll meet you exactly where you are. If you feel overwhelmed, start where you are. If you're confused, start where you are. If you're broken, start where you are. If you're yearning for more, start where you are. Pour out your very heart before God. He will meet you there and all over this room. If you desire more of God, come on, will you lift your hands with me? Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. Maybe consider rating the podcast and share it with a friend. It really makes all the difference. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com.
We love you. The best is yet to come.